You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On today's Friday Farm Report, we are going to discuss some surprise prospects that could make a big impact on the Mets this season. In the first segment, We'll discuss whether Khalil Lee has a shot to be a fourth outfielder for the Mets this year. In the second segment, we'll go into Jose Budo's place on the 40-man roster. Is he real depth that could either be moved in a trade, or does his presence allow you to move a pitcher like Tyler McGill if you have to make a deal with an Eduardo Escobar for a Liam Hendricks, let's say. We'll get into all of that in the second segment. Then in the final segment, Ronnie Mauricio, a big standout this winter. Could he be a real X-Factor for the Mets in 2023? Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Ficklestein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter, at FicklesteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. And today, I'm joined by Jordan Grossman. He is our social media coordinator, so you can find him on Twitter doing some work for us, at LockedOnMets. He also comes on for our Friday Farm Reports. to talk a little bit of prospects. And today, I wanted to discuss... Which surprise prospects could impact the roster this year? We spent plenty of time on the big three, so to speak. Francisco Alvarez, Brett Beatty, Mark Vientos. I want to go through some guys that are on the 40-man roster in particular that could actually play big roles. And I think Ronnie Mauricio is the juicy one that we can save for a little bit later because of what he's done in the Dominican uh, Winter League. I want to start with Khalil Lee, actually. When the Mets trade Jake Mangum, Okay, and I think that if we look at Jeff Brigham um, and we kind of picture that he might be in the Mets bullpen this year, you could kind of understand why they trade Mangum, right? A guy that is going to be, what, 27 by opening day, uh, you know, fourth outfielder is kind of a ceiling for him. Maybe it's also a trade where you're kind of uh, helping Mangum out in his career. We're not going to have a ton of opportunities. We'll send you to Miami where you can flourish, and and uh, you know he's a good guy, So so maybe that's part of it, but. Khalil Lee is still on this 40-man roster. And if you look at the outfielders the Mets have on their 40 right now, it's their starting outfield of Canna, Nemo, Marte, and then it's Khalil Lee. Not a great season last year, but if you're talking about the profile of a player when it comes to his speed, his defense, a little bit of pop in the bat, could we see Khalil Lee angle for a fourth outfielder job in camp or just at some point this season? I think it's possible if he doesn't end up getting cut, which I also think is a real possibility at this point. Um, really, like we've seen the reports from Ken Rosenthal that the Correa deal is going to be imminent. And I think when that happens, they're going to start looking for a fourth outfielder, maybe some bench help. And, you know, they've DFA'd a couple of guys, but they've mostly been pitchers. And now that if they're looking to add a couple of position players, I think Lee is probably going to be at the top of that list to get cut once they make those additions. So, you know, if he does stick around, um, I think it's mostly going to be as one of those like quad A guys that's going back and forth between Syracuse and New York. Um, 
But yeah, he's like a guy. I, he, he really struggled last year at the beginning, and then they sent him down to St. Lucie for about two weeks. He made some swing changes. Uh, it helped out for a little while, but then his numbers kind of came back down again. The, the the thing with him is that he can draw walks, like you said. He's a he's speedy, but he takes bad routes on balls sometimes. Um, and the ground ball rate is just you know really really high at this point. I think his bat pip was like through the roof through the roof last season in 2021 when he was, you know, he had a pretty good season. So it, it just happened again. He wasn't putting together the power numbers that people were expecting. So what he really needs to do is he needs to put more loft in the ball. Hopefully he's making some adjustments to just launch his launch angle this off season. I think that would be the biggest adjustment for his career going forward. Yeah. You know, that's kind of, you know, similar. I mean, to a lesser extent because he's not the same type of prospect that Brett Beatty was, but similar in the sense that, you know, you're, you're trying to get him to, to lift more and really tap into that power because we know when it comes to, like, max exit velo, you know, there is power in the tank. It's just finding it. I'm actually trying to find right now his splits because, uh, like you said, dreadful start, uh, goes to, goes to you know, St. Lucie, figures something out, and was better down the stretch of the season. Uh, looking at – yeah, I mean, so, so really it was honestly – April, he had a 414 OPS. You look month by month after that, 785 in May, 762 in June, 785 in July, 738 in August, 628 in September. So he was better, but still not great. We do see the 600-plus WRC plus in the big leagues last year, one of the best in baseball with his one home run and his like one at bat. Is that what it was? It was like one the, home run? The, the zero plate appearance sample size. Yeah, he had the best uh, WRC plus in baseball last year. Unbelievable talent. Uh, but, yeah, so I, I think Khalil is interesting because it's just, like you said, there, there's real risk that he is just cut because you need roster spots. They're at a premium. You want to keep a lot of those arms. I mean, if you're trying to think about, you know, some of the, the arms that they have that they picked up, they already got rid of William Woods. Uh, to make room for out of Eno. Do they want to keep Steven riding? So they wanted to keep Zach green who they picked up in the rule five. There's a lot of arms that they could theoretically shuffle if they needed some 40 man spots, but you could also just look at Cleo Lee and say, we don't believe he's ever going to make it. I, I think there's enough talent there and they're thin enough in the outfield currently that I think he probably sticks on the roster. But if they sign Adam Duvall and they make a, another trade for an outfielder, well, then suddenly maybe you had the depth to uh, be okay without him. So I, I think that's where we're at. But it's just he, he's a guy that if he could reach, you know, the potential that he has, like he has a profile that would fit this roster is where I'm still coming back to. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He had that 50 stolen base season in the minors back when he was with the Royals. So he adds an element that the Mets could really use, you know, especially with this new rule coming in with the pickoffs. Uh, stolen bases yeah. are going to be, at a, you know, they're, they're going to come up at a much higher rate in the next two, three, four seasons. I don't know however long this rule is going to last. Um, it's it's really going to be important that the Mets have some speed guys on their bench. And someone like Lee, like you said, he could add an element that the Mets need need for this team because they have speedy guys. You know, they have guys like Nemo, who doesn't really steal, but he said he's going to going forward. So we'll see how that works out. Marte obviously likes to take some bases. Lindor, but besides that, you don't really have too many speedy guys on the team. So adding that element, especially you know if you can get him on a playoff roster um, as maybe a Terrence Core replacement, um, that that would be a uh, pretty fun to see. So I, I hope it works out for him. But right now, my thoughts are that he still gets ends up getting cut before the season starts. 
Yeah, I, I think that you know that there's a high likelihood of that, and you know the 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 profile makes sense to me, but the results were so bad last year that it's hard to kind of ignore those. And he's getting to that point of his career as a prospect where you know you're almost not much of a prospect anymore because of the age and because of you know the the kind of you know inability to to break through where you start to get that you know four A player type narrative, but. There's a couple more guys that I think have a nice shot here. Who's Jose Budo, Ronnie Mauricio, we're going to get to in a minute. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little bit healthier this year. And if you're like me and you want to eat healthier too, but you don't want to compromise taste, here's what you got to do. You got to try some Built Bars. What makes Built Bars so good? For one, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. So and they taste like a candy bar. They got flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie coconut almond that come with only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, but a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait to get a box because for years now, I've been telling you about ordering built bars at built.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's club. That's right. All you got to do is head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, grab yourself a box of built bars. You can pick, you can pick up a four bar box, of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or the coconut puffs. Or if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in there, grab a box of 13 with their hit flavors like brownie batter, churro, uh, and so much more. You can thank me later. Go to your local store to find Built Bar today. couple more prospects I want to discuss today. Surprise prospects that could play a big role this season. We'll go to Jose Budo next here. Uh, you look at the 40-man roster. The Mets have a lot of depth currently. You got your five-man rotation, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, Kodai Senga, Jose Quintana, Carlos Carrasco. David Peterson is a six. You got Tyler McGill. You got Joey Lucchese. Behind them, you have Elizar Hernandez and Jose Budo. Now, a lot of arms are in front of Budo right now. Maybe the only one you could say that he's ahead of is Hernandez, but regardless, the path right now is not clear how Jose Budo gets to the big leagues, but we know how a season works. Things can happen. We saw Jose Budo make one start last year, and while he got knocked around, I'll give him credit for getting through four innings. We've seen a lot of other starters kind of get thrust in and make that spot start debut and it goes terribly wrong, and they can't make it out of two innings. So Budo showed a little bit there, had a really nice season in Syracuse. What is your kind of take on where he's at in his career and what type of role he can feature on the Mets this season? I mean, I think a lot of people look at him and they just remember the horrible start that he had in Philadelphia for his debut. But I don't put too much of that on him. I mean, he I think he was alerted that he was going to be the starter about – 16, 17 hours before the game actually started. So, you know, mentally preparing for that, especially on the road and in a ballpark like uh, in Philadelphia, that's a really tough environment. So I'm not going to put too much of that on him. He's still, he, I would say he's probably right where Tyler McGill was um, in 2021, where he's not, he's not ready yet to make it to the major leagues, but I'd say if it's May or June, He's putting up good numbers in Syracuse, like he did last season, where he had, I think, he had a two four five ERA 
and eight starts there. If he's putting up numbers like that again, he's definitely going to be in line to be one of those guys who jumps into the rotation if there's an injury. And I think, like you said, we know injuries happen all the time with starting pitchers, especially with the rotation that has a lot of guys in their mid to late thirties. Um, you know, we saw last season that Tyler McGill ended up being the opening day starter. Um, I'm not going to say that's going to happen with Budo, obviously, but you know, you just never know when you're going to need those kind of guys. You have good depth this year with Buto, McGill, Peterson, Lucchese. I think those four guys, and like you said, Elias Hernandez too, they're going to, they have some really good starting pitching depth in the minors um, and even in the bullpen if they're going to need it. So I think Budo is one of those guys where he's really going to need to develop a third pitch outside, outside of his fastball and changeup. Um, but the curveball looks like it's coming together a little. Uh, he, he was using it a little bit more in Syracuse, so hopefully that works out for him. And if he can develop that third pitch, I think he can be a legit number five going forward. Yeah, I think that you know the the interesting thing about Jose Buda to me is, you know, you're you're not necessarily looking at the highest of ceilings. So, uh, you know, in some respects, I could see him being an arm that was thrown into a trade. Like, let's just say you're packaging Eduardo Escobar somewhere. And, uh, you know, actually, let's just go into the trade discussion with this next. I think it actually it, it leads pretty well into it. Let's just say you're trying to make a trade for Liam Hendricks, right? And Eduardo Escobar for Liam Hendricks is a pretty nice starting framework, right? They could use another infielder. They could use a veteran. They're trying to win. Escobar fits what they're doing, and they might want to get Hendricks off their books because it costs a little bit more than Escobar. If you were to start the package there and try to fill it out, maybe they would want a Jose Budo as an arm that they can, you know, slot onto their 40-man roster for depth. Another arm they could want that's a little bit, you know, further along is Tyler McGill. Let's just say I was actually texting Jack McMullen, who uh, works with us over at Just Baseball, is a big-time White Sox fan, and I was just I actually texting him at 2 o'clock in the morning last night, and I said, hey, I'm Billy Epler, you're Rick Hahn. I'm trying to send you Eduardo Escobar, Darren Ruff, and Jose Budo for Liam Hendricks. What, what's your thoughts? And he, he said, I'm laughing you off the phone. That's not sexy enough for me. So then he came back with McGill. And I think that because you have Budo and you have this depth, you're able to trade a Tyler McGill too. So I, I think that he kind of operates in multiple ways for the Mets where if they needed that sweetener in a trade as they're trying to maneuver this roster and it clears up a spot on the 40-man roster, I think they'd strongly consider it. Or if they have to move McGill in a trade, I could also see that being, uh, you know, a, a way where Budo helps you because you have the depth to absorb that loss. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, like you said, the starting pitching depth they have now, if you're looking to trade for a top reliever, McGill, someone like McGill is very expendable. And for some, like, I guess McGill and Escobar and maybe another high upside reliever in the Mets system for Hendricks sounds like a pretty good deal to me for both sides. Something like that could make a lot of sense for them. And then you have Buto move into, you know, instead of maybe being the eighth starter in the rotation depth, he's now the seventh guy, which is still, you know, just fine for the Mets going forward. Yeah, I think, like, like what would you think about Eduardo Escobar, Tyler McGill, and Bryce Montes de Oca? Yeah, that's exactly the guy I was thinking of. Yeah, so those three in a package for, for Hendricks, I think it's pretty fair for both sides. I think White Sox fans would agree as well. Yeah, and then you you would be able to clear up three spots on your roster. So then you'd almost be looking at if they let's just say there's been some connection there that we don't know about, and they're waiting for Correa to go through, where you could see Correa you know gets a, agreed on in principle before he's officially official. You make that trade, and then suddenly it's like you're trading Escobar 
uh, Deoka and and uh, McGill, and you're acquiring Hendricks and Correa, and then you still have an open spot in your roster if they wanted to go out and sign an outfielder. So, so that that's the type of maneuvers I think the Mets can make here. Uh, I, I would look at when it comes to the major league roster, Escobar, Ruff, Vogelback, uh, the main guys that I think would get traded. What did you think about the idea of trading Guillaume? Because I don't think that they're going to do that, not just because I love them, but because I, I think that Buck Showalter really values Guillaume, and I think he does have a say here in some of the maneuvering that the Mets are going to make. And I think that, you know, when you when you look at the idea of Jeff McNeil potentially having to play left field, you like Guillaume starting at second base more than Eduardo Escobar, in my opinion. Yeah, I could I could see the pain in your eyes when yeah. you mentioned just the idea of trading Luis Guillaume. It hurts, um, man. I can't I can't I can't imagine it. <laughs> so I think he like you said, he is a very valuable player on this roster and someone like Buck Walter definitely wants him on this team. Um, you know, when I see some, they, they add someone like Danny Mendick, who, you know, maybe he doesn't have the defensive value that Guillaume does. He brings a lot of the same stuff offensively, or he can replicate the value by bringing a little bit more offense and maybe a little less defense. Um, so he's, I guess he's a guy that maybe some teams would want some contenders, um, if they want, but I don't think he's going to be a main piece in a deal. He may be more of like a throw in type, um, to sweeten, you know, just to sweeten it up. Um, but yeah, I, I, I could see them moving him. I could see them keeping him. Um, but it, ha- it has to be for the right deal, obviously, because like you said, this is a guy who has value on this roster as someone, you know, we, we watched Lindor and Guillermo double plays were probably the, one of the most fun things I watched all season. Um, so just, it, ha- it has to be for the right package. And if, if it's for a guy like me and Hendricks and the White Sox insist on having Guillermo in there, I'd probably end up doing it, but you know, I'd hope that they're able to keep him. Yeah, that, that is, I think that's definitely the thing. If, if, if there is a team that really values Guillaume and you can make a big trade happen, by all means, I just I think that Eduardo Escobar is going to have more trade value right now, and I don't think you want to gut your infield depth even with Correa coming in. I, I think you want to trade one of those guys, and, and I think that Escobar really is kind of a sneaky great trade piece because if you're looking at the free agent market right now, if Eduardo Escobar was on it, he'd arguably be the top free agent left on the board. So I think that there's contending teams out there that need that that extra pop that might want to trade for Escobar. But we have saved the bat, the best name for last year, Ronnie Mauricio, MVP Ronnie, putting on an incredible performance in the Dominican Winter League, turning some heads. Could he actually be a big piece for the Mets next season? We're going to get to that in a minute. But first, another word from our sponsors. So here we go. Ronnie Mauricio is on fire in the Dominican Winter League. He wins the MVP. This is not just, you know, a hot couple of weeks. He has been consistently raking. I know that it's just the Dominican Winter League. This isn't, um, you know, MLB pitching. But there's guys that have pitched in the majors in that league, and he's consistently raking. He's a star player down there right now. And you're projecting forward a guy that could begin the season in Triple S Syracuse here. Ronnie Mauricio's got a shot to be a part of the Mets this season, right? 
Okay, he absolutely has a shot to be a key contributor for this team next season. Um, I mean, he's, like you said, he's putting up fantastic numbers in the Dominican Winter League, just one MVP, and he, I think he's hitting 304 in the playoffs right now. Um, but, you know, my he's just, he's one of the most polarizing prospects I've seen, not just in the Mets system, but just across baseball, because I see some people who want to put him in their top 100 lists, and then I see some people who don't want him anywhere near that list. So it's just really interesting to see the discourse around him. Um, I'll say that I, you know, still his ceiling is probably like a Javi Baez light at the plate where he's going to hit for a ton of power. He's a good contact guy. He's going to, there's going to be a lot of strikeouts, but not like, not anything astronomical. Um, but it's just the walk rate is going to be, you know, five, 6%, which is just going to ra- rank in the bottom 10 to 20 of major league baseball, which you're just going to have to accept with a player like him. Um, you know, with Correa coming in and then having Lindor, you got the left side locked up. So he's probably going to have to move to the outfield if he's going to be on the Mets next season. Uh, I know they had him bring an outfield go up to spring training last year to get some work over there, but he never really played the outfield during the minor league season with Binghamton. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the Mets do with him position wise in 2023. Uh, but yeah, I, I think he's, you know, he's probably going to shift to a corner outfield spot if he isn't traded this off season. Which I still think is a possibility as well if they move him in a package for, let's say, a Liam Hendricks, or uh, if they want to make a, another big move for, let's throw some name out there, Brian Reynolds. You know, maybe they put him in a in a deal. Um, he could be moved for someone like that. But if he's with the Mets next year, it's probably going to have to be as a corner outfielder. And I think he could be a contributor if he rakes in Syracuse like he's raking in the Dominican Winter League right now. The the noise is going to start getting really loud for him to come up. Right field, Ronnie. Uh, I, I think that there's a chance for him here. Uh, you know, it's it's it, like you said, he, he's the most polarizing prospect. He's a guy that when we would just watch him on video and you look at some of the numbers, I was just completely against him as a prospect. I said, deal him while you can. Then I saw him in person and fell in love with him immediately. Uh, he was spraying the ball over the place, you know, getting the ball in the air. I mean, I think he hit a home run and a couple doubles the game I was at. Uh, you know, he really does have that pop that turns your head. And, you know, the, the Mets have not developed a ton of those guys who can really lead the yard, um, you know, at will. And I, I think they have a lot of them right now that are just on the cusp and you're wondering which ones are going to break through. I think the interesting thing to me about Ronnie Mauricio is you compare him to a Mark Vientos. Don't do you think that there's a better chance that Mauricio can find a position and hang in the outfield uh, than Vientos can? Because if he can at least play a position, if you're looking at the next three years, he might be able to function a little better on the 40 man roster than a Vientos could if you're trying to maybe move one of them in a trade this offseason. Yeah, so I think position wise, Mauricio definitely has a better chance of finding a home because what I heard about. Vientos's defense in the outfield last year was that it was some of the worst defense scouts have ever seen at that at that spot he's just really not fit to play the outfield um and we obviously we know third base is going to be locked up so he's Vientos is going to be a first base DH guy you know he's probably going to fill that JD Davis role for the Mets going forward if he stays with the team and isn't traded um yeah Ronnie I think he's a big dude so he's probably gonna have to move off shortstop anyway Third base was a most likely home for him, but now the Correa is coming in. That's that's kind of rolled out too. So I think he's like 6'3", 220, 225 right now. 
So it feels like right field or left field are going to be the spots for him. And I think with the right amount of work, he could he could find a real home there. Yeah, I think that he's probably has the arm that I think he probably could hang in right field. And it's just a matter of getting him reps. If it's I, I keep saying where they play him is really going to tip the hand on how much they believe in Ronnie Mauricio as either a trade ship or a piece of the roster this season. If he is starting at shortstop in Syracuse, he's a trade ship, in my opinion, because there is no clear path at all for him to be the starting shortstop on the Mets over the next decade. Because even if Lindor, you know, knock on wood, was out for a season, they have a guy named Carlos Correa now, most likely, who will slot right in. Uh, so at this point, if he's still at shortstop, they are just continuing to develop him at, the, at a position where he could hold a ton of value on the trade market, and that is fine, but don't necessarily expect him to come up. If they're playing him in right field in Syracuse, that means that they have bought into his bat and they are trying to, to groom him to be able to help the roster this season. So I'll be very interested to see where he gets his rep, reps in spring training where he is placed if it is in Syracuse or if they give him some more seasoning in double-A and, of course, you know what position he's playing, like I said. So uh, I I think Ronnie Mauricio is one of these big X factors. The Mets really have a lot of them. Uh, We've talked about Bay, we've talked about Alvarez, I think Vientos to a certain extent as well. But Ronnie Mauricio, this has been the winter of of Ronnie. So we'll see if he can kind of build off that and have a, a monster campaign. If he's the minor league player of the year for the Mets this season, all of a sudden, you know, top 100 boards might really start to respect him instead of just a couple outlets that like him. Yeah, absolutely. I think people forget that he's still. I think I think he just turned 21 or 22. Like he's he's still super young. He came into the system when he was 16 years old, and the sky was a limit for him in terms of value and what he can provide to a major league team. So, if it if it takes him a few years to figure things out, you know, for what kind of player he's going to be. That you know, it's just fine with me. MVP Ronnie is dominating the winter league. I love, I love to see it. I hope he continues it going into the minor league season. And yeah, I, I think he's you know wherever he ends up, he's going to be a valuable eight, nine, ten year major league uh, veteran. I think there's a, there's a solid chance of that now, a lot more than we would have thought probably a year ago. And to uh, to confirm his age, there, 21 years old, turns 22 April 4th. So still very young, one of the younger youngest players. In double-A last year, uh, and I'm sure he'll be one of the youngest players in triple-A this season. But that's going to be all for today's edition of Locked on Mets. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to follow me on Twitter, at FickelsteinRyan. You can follow Jordan at MetsFansense02 or find his work at Locked on Mets on Twitter. As always, thank you for making Locked on Mets your first listen every day. Now for your second listen, check out Locked on MLB Prospects. You might hear more about guys. Like Ronnie Mauricio from host Lizzie Crosby, you can find Locked on MLB Prospects on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts.